Hello and welcome to Martian Radio at the Theater. I am here today to talk to two amazing theater artists about their experiences, and I am so excited to get introduced to both of them. I'd like to start with Leo. Leo, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, so my name is Leo Jordan. Um, I started a uh, community theater group called Balefire Productions back in 2016, and we've been doing theater ever since. And I did it on my own for a little bit for a couple years and then <laughs> just wandered into this wonderful place called Gallery Z one day, and we've been there ever since. Awesome. And where is uh, Balefire Productions located? So we're technically in the basement of Gallery C. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the dungeon, as I like to call it. So it's it's just storage. But like <laughs> we we rehearse there. I work there. So it is like a base of operations. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, and what what kind of led you to Balefire? What experiences had you had leading up to there? So I did. I used to go to Middlesex Community College. And I went there for an, an exuberant amount of time. <laughs> um, I know community college is supposed to be like, you're there for two years. It's never two years. It was more like seven. <laughs> and I just, because I just kept doing, I just kept signing up for classes to do shows. Right. And then um, one of my friends um, in the area uh, did, started doing her own theater. And at uh, Studio 506, it was uh, Caitlin Crockett. She did, mm -hmm. she went off to do something. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to do that too. So then I just... One summer, got a group of people together and did um, this play called Slaughterhouse, which is a great name <laughs> for the first play. Um, not Slaughterhouse-Five. It was just called Slaughterhouse by um, the playwright. It was called Norman Robbins. And it was this murder mystery that I did in high school. And I did it my senior year when I went to Minuteman. And um, it was the show that made me want to do theater. And I was like, I want to start whatever this journey is with that show. And it went off. It went great. Um, and we did it twice. We did it in and it was through Middlesex. So like funny enough, at the time, I had nowhere to rehearse. I had, I had no I, I was like, what do I do? Um, and I had contacted uh, Karen Oster and she, the president of the college, wanted them to do a murder mystery. And she didn't do anything. She was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I contacted her and was like, hey, I have a murder mystery that I want to do. Like, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, like, I have a murder mystery that I want to do. Can I use, like, a, a space to rehearse? And she was like, yeah. Do you just want to, do we just want to do this in tandem? And I was like, sure. So we did it once in um, the Bedford campus and then another in the Nesmith house in Lowell, which is, like, this beautiful mansion. And I was like, are we allowed to be in here? Like, I didn't, we were, but I didn't feel like we were allowed <laughs> to be in there. And then I got my own studio a year later and then just started doing shows and doing shows. And then um, something happened with that studio and it fell through. And it fell through on one of our show nights for no exit. Like it was opening night and we had nowhere to go, which was ironic because I was like, we're exiting the building to find a space to do no exit. <laughs> and we just wandered into Gallery Z and I asked um, the wonderful woman who is also my boss now, um, Patricia Donahue. And I was like, hey, do you want to do this show? And she was like, sure. <laughs> just like we Great. moved all our lights we moved everything we had opening night there and I was like hey we're also doing another show in two weeks because this was when I used to when I was in my 20s used to think I could do two shows back to back and without without a break and we don't do that anymore but we did No Exit and then like two weeks later we did Almost Maine by um, John Cariani 
And then we've been there ever since. And we started doing um, dinner theater and did that for a while because that was bringing people into the gallery. And then we just moved on to do just regular theater because the dinner theater was really nice. And it was something that I had never done and she had never done. And then it was just like, we forgot that people have like food requirements and like cooking for 30 people when um, the woman who wants to cook for 30 people who is just like me and wants to do everything herself is very hard. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you for the introduction to yourself, Leo. Yeah, that was a very long introduction, sorry. <laughs> no, it's great, it's I great. Mean, it, was a, it was a classic, a classic Leo introduction, though, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> I, like, forgot where I was, and I was like, I'm just going to keep going until we're here. <laughs> well, well, we know your full life story now. So I know. <laughs> Well, we also have our special call-in guest, so I would like to hear a uh, I'd like to hear a classic Mary introduction. Yes. Oh God, classic Mary. Okay, we'll give it to you. Um, so my name is Mary Darling. Sometimes Nestus. I say that because I'm recently married and I haven't made the full switch because my last name's great. My husband's last name is Nestus. So and anyway, um, so yeah, I'm a playwright and director. Um, and I sort of, you know, I started out um, in theater young and I thought I'd always be an actor and love acting and, you know, I still do it on occasion, but it definitely isn't the most like fulfilling of the theatrical aspects for me anymore since I mostly write now. I also like that writing is kind of like a solo sport um, <laughs> for, you know, a good amount of time and then I can come out of the woodwork like when I want to direct or when I want to see shows or whatever. So I went to an arts magnet school in Worcester. And that was really great for me because I had theater from like first grade on basically (laughs) and creative writing and everything like that. And so I did that then I had the fine arts in high school. I went to Fitchburg state and like Leo, I I don't believe I did it in the four years or the five years. (laughs) You know, so that was that, but it was, you know, I was so involved in theater and we were doing all this cool stuff. And what I love about college is that like, you know, it's just like the, creative hub where like anything goes right like you can skip the friends all night for like a showcase and like make work happen and like vibe and just like write stuff overnight and some of it's great some of it's you know you wrote it that night um (laughs) i just like loved that vibe and sometimes miss it so i've like taken to like the 24-hour play festivals recently to like get that high back um but outside of that um i am like focused on writing and directing right now and um What's cool about Leo is uh, we actually met through a mutual friend and he came to see a reading of my show, Good Grief. And I always tell this story because I don't know, I love it. Um, But he was sitting in front of me, didn't know him, just could see his red hair. And he was responding to like all of the lines so well. And and this is just an early reading of the play that he later went on to direct. Um, And I was like, I love this man. (laughs) He's getting it he's laughing like you know i don't know and after that you know we were introduced and he really wanted to do that play he saw another one of my plays um that was done by the forge theater lab that he went on to do um and we've just had a great working relationship you know out of out of theater which i think is part of the beauty of it for me is Mm. you know interacting with the audience or seeing how work inspires people or hearing from people like my husband always gets uh, he always says I talk too much after the shows, but it's like if people want to come up and talk about how it impacted them, like I, I like to give people like the time of day and I like to know what that is. And for Leo and I, like I think we had that and it just turned into this really neat friendship and like, you know, creative partnership. Yeah. 
So awesome. I'll end it there. That's the cla- that's the classic Mary. <laughs> yeah, and I, I realize I gave you all the classic Ryan introduction, which is I didn't introduce myself. I just started <laughs> talking. Oh, no. <laughs> so my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the host of the show. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great start. It's such a good start. Such a good start. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to actually hear about, you you were talking about having a great working relationship with Leo. I wanted to hear from the both of you what that working relationship is like. Is it Mm. always from the standpoint of writer and director? Or have you worked with each other in different capacities? And uh, really what makes a good working relationship between the two of you? I'll I'll start us off and then I'll let Leo finish it up. Because we will... We'll probably say a lot of the same things, but I'll kick yeah. it off so that now Leo knows don't, you know. Um, no, but I think what's <laughs> neat is we we trust each other. It can be really scary, I think, sometimes to trust somebody with your work. But part mm. of what I love so much about writing is I don't like to be the first director of my work. It's kind of like where that I do that. I used to be a one-stop shop like Leo used to be early on, right? We all have to learn like, hey, yeah, no, you don't do all the jobs at once. Yeah. Um, And it's so much more valuable for me to have someone like him who, you know, I've seen their work. I like their work. I trust their creative vision. And I know that they're going to honor like the the text, right. That they're going to put a spin on it. Right. Like the the intent, I think when I put work out is like, I love to see what the actors and the directors bring to the table because that's part of it. And for, for Leo, like, you know, we'll have, I, we do like an early reading because I am someone who changes a lot leading up to things. Like I'm always workshopping, but at a certain point, right. I have to be done so that they can do what they do. Um, so he really allows for that. Like usually we coordinate and I'm pretty hands off after that. Like he'll check in with me and I like that, but I, I'm a director too, right? I don't want to be the director when he's the director. I want to give mm. him the freedom to run where he wants to go. And I, so I choose not to go to rehearsals. Part of it is, as we've established, I don't love to drive to Lowell. I live an hour and a half away. Part of it's laziness, right? I like the solo sport, but part of it also is like, well, if I was there, I might overstep and I don't want to do that to Leo. So I think what's interesting is um, like he will text me a lot or give me updates or run things by. If there's a line that's really not working, he'll let me know. Like I, I've never felt like Leo sidestepped me and like done stuff behind my back. And I think that's really important for a creative partnership. I think the other thing that's important for us is we laugh a lot. Like we, yeah. <laughs> we constantly have a good time, whether it's in person or like via our terribly written in text. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I'll hand it off to Leo to, you know, talk trash about how our relationship is actually terrible um but (laughs) but i think that's what makes a good creative partner is yeah you know we work in different capacities and we trust each other yeah no i agree because i i've never i've never had that experience before with like someone working with someone like mary and it for me it was like like she said, she came up to me and she was like, hi, I need it. I need to tell you, you were, you just laughed and you made me like enjoy my own play. And I was like, well, I enjoyed it. Like I was just laughing unabashedly at this play and cause it was just funny. And it was, it wasn't, it wasn't um, a stage reading. It was Whoa, just wait, a dramatic wait, wait. reading. Are we talking about, yeah, wait, Good are grief. we talking about, well, okay. Well, it was funny, but it was, there was sadness too. Oh yeah. But then I laughed at the sadness. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's about yeah. grief. Obviously, it was sad, but <laughs> we just have to get that part in there. But yeah. it is also extremely hilarious. Like, but I feel like so, me and Mary yeah. also also laugh inappropriately at a lot of things, mm-hmm. and I generally laugh at things that are sad. So I was laughing the whole time. <laughs> and then yeah, when I d- went on to direct the show, which I never thought I would do, was I was like not laughing as much. But um, our relationship started from there, and it was ironically enough. 
I had come and I was doing my own show. And I was like very selfishly in my own head. And I was like, I'm coming here because of our, our friend who's in this. And, but I'm very open to like, see what this is. And I was so emotionally raw from doing my own thing that I laughed so much. Cause I was like, this was great. This is exactly what I needed. And meeting Mary, I was like, this is also exactly what I needed. And I never, never thought we would have the relationship that we do have. Um, and it's just, I never feel like, um, that the trust isn't there and I've never had someone. Yeah. Sorry, you go ahead. Yeah. And I think it was neat about it too because like Leo's saying like it's really hard to come by people I think and I mean it isn't it isn't but I think yeah. when it comes to like I've read Leo's work and stuff too and like you know we're able to talk about that kind of stuff and you know we have a different relationship on that level too but I think what's what's tough is like I always had we have to give him a shout out Leo or it's not right I always had <laughs> my good friend Noah Dawson yeah who helps me like workshop all my work and everything like that. And then we kind of, you know, take it to, you know, I, however, whatever happens, happens with it. And so he was kind of like my OG on that. And now we both are, you know, we both know Noah, love yeah. him, but I never, I just kind of felt like, Oh man, no one else will ever be able to like capture what I'm capturing or help me workshop or anything. So it was like a real, it was really special. I think to get to meet Leo and still be able to do that with somebody else and have it work. Yeah. And it, I love Noah. We always make that joke where it's like, he'll workshop it and then I will just do the show. Like one of us will direct it, but Noah will workshop it. And it's just... Noah has to be involved. Yeah, he has to be involved in some way. And he does a fantastic job and he comes to all the shows and he loves them. But it's just like, I thought of this earlier because I knew I was coming here. And I was like, Mary to me sometimes is like my own inner voice. So like working in tandem with her feels like you're just working as one unit even when we're not even talking about stuff. And like, of course I'll like text her or call her after be like, yeah, that line didn't work. And she's like, okay. Or like people be like, I don't know if I should say this. And I said, then don't say it. And I'll let Mary know. Like, I'm not like cutting the script in, into pieces. Cause I'm still like, it's still not my show that I'm writing, mm-hmm. but I know. And we've been able to have those conversations too. Like you'll bring her to me or we'll have the actor in yeah. and we'll either say like, Oh no, you know, I think, all right, how about just this or whatever. But usually I think what, you know, I think what captures this and also that was really touching of you to say, thank you. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest part of it is, you know, is the collaboration. Like we have a collaborative yeah. spirit, not just between us, but I think we value the input that from the, the cast and crew sometimes too. And I think sometimes that can get lost. Like I don't think of my, when Leo's directing or when I'm directing something, like I don't think of myself as like the end all for everything. Like I do think, we have to be encompassing of the opinion sometimes of other people and not, yeah. not to say like, obviously I don't want, you know, there's a fine line, right? Like don't abuse the script and like, you know, if you don't like it, don't be perfect. But <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, there is like an element of, of being able to be flexible on certain things. And I think one great example, even Leo, and that we should talk on is with good grief, with the yeah. casting, you know, when um, that person dropped, and then we, we were able to make these like fantastic changes to make a show that was even more inclusive, um, to have really great representation of, you know, a community that I hadn't even necessarily tapped into. Uh, ju- I just like hadn't had a chance to. And we had great actor feedback and we were able to like make adjustments to the character to make them non-binary. And yeah. it was so personal to that actor, but it was so personal to me too because it was, it was just like a really beautiful experience that came out of us being able to adapt. Yeah. Mary, would you actually mind telling us a little bit about Good Grief, just to give us a, a, a bigger concept of this, this play that keeps coming up? Yes, I know. We talk about it. <laughs> I know. We're like, um, we talk about it like everyone knows this show, which they should. Yeah, you, 
Why you all seen this? <laughs> no. And now they will. Um, Everyone's yes. going to listen to this and know what good grief is now. Well, we can plug good grief because I am anticipating doing it again in oh. next fall. Actually, winter, fall, whatever, whatever November is. Yeah. People. I don't know. It's winter to me. Um, because I think it's so powerful, and I think Leo like brought it to life so much for me. But we'll, I'll, I'll say what it is first, because everybody now listening is like, okay, get to it. Like, what are you doing? Um, so for uh, I can only write dialogue. I'm, I just want to say that. But at one point, like in 2016 ish, I was like, who knows? Maybe I can write a novel. I can't. I don't do that. <laughs> but I was working with a friend of mine. Shout out to him too, Ethan White. And we were just seeing, like, what is it to, to interview people on desk? Because I love to interview people when I'm writing. And so we had set up a bunch of interviews and, like, people want to talk. Like, the people who want to talk about that stuff want to talk about it. And for me, I can come off pretty cold. My husband calls me the Tin Man. Um, <laughs> with, like, and it's not because I don't care. It's because it feels, like, unnatural for me sometimes to be, like, empathetic. And it's, I just, like, I think I come off a little robotic, but mm-hmm. it's not intentional. So these interviews like humanize me. Like I'm like crying in the room with these people talking about the death of, you know, their dad or their brother or their um, sibling or, you know, whatever the case. So I'd actually interviewed my husband, my now husband's sister. And she had had like just a lot of loss in her life, like her dad and everything like that. And it was a really beautiful interview. It was probably the best of the batch. And um, it was just so raw. And I just, I had known her so well and everything too. And then she died in 2017, like suddenly, like she was hit by a train. And it was very tragic and it was obviously very like hard in our family and everything else. And I had start, you know, I had been doing all those interviews, didn't know how they were going to happen. And, and my, and Ethan and I weren't, we have like a little bit of, you know, different styles writing. So I don't think we were necessarily on the same page of like what the concept would be, but we were having fun doing it. And then I had finally, like my husband kind of eventually was like, I need something. I don't know what it is. Like, we're not, we're not like religious and stuff. But he was like, oh, I don't know what to do with myself. Like I'm really struggling. So I found like mm. a grief group. And at that point, I didn't know, like, because I'm so awkward about these things. I was like, I'm going like, to send you with your sister and, you know, let me know how it goes. But that night I started writing Good Grief or what would become Good Grief. And I'd gone back to the interviews and I'd done all this stuff. And it was a really neat thing. And eventually I started going to the group with them. And so Good Grief centers um, a person who loses their sibling. And it's a very different context. Like, she's a writer and she's all these other things. And her brother's a lot younger than her, um, which it, my brother is, like, 10 years younger than me. And he goes out on prom night, and um, he ultimately passes away in a train accident. Like, he's hit by a train. And it's very sad stuff, but they find this, like, community in the grief group. And there's so much, like, what I found about going to the grief group is, like, while it is very sad, of course, there's so much, like, humor. And there's so much, like, human stuff that happens there, too. Because, like, it's sad, but there's also, like, the funny stuff that, like, just occurs, right? Like, when you're dealing with this stuff. Or, like, that you remember about these people. Mm. But I think what's neat about the grief is, like, people will tell you who've seen it, like, they do, like, Leo, right? Like, they die <laughs> laughing. Yeah. That's a bad choice of words. But they laugh, <laughs> like, <laughs> gallows humor, right? Like, they laugh, like, yeah. very hard during it. But then you're like, what's neat about seeing it fully, like uh, when Leo did it, I I, uh, I just saw it. And I bawl- I know what's going to happen. And I'm bawling my eyes out because he did such a beautiful job, like staging it. But then next thing you know, you're you're laughing so hard, you're crying too. And so I won't ruin the end or anything like that. But um, I think it's a really neat piece. Uh, and there's a lot of really great music in it too, like hits we all know, a lot of nostalgic stuff. But throughout it, but I think it just kind of hits so many people because it it covers the grief stuff, but it hits on um, uh, addiction 
other themes too that you know are present in so many people's lives even if that distance so now that i've rambled at length that is what the group <laughs> is about and leo would you tell us a little bit about your staging of that production and how you were able to to take those experiences that mm. were uh written about and put them on the stage yeah um well i so i saw that play when i was doing a play about um my own grief which i was like oh god so i saw good grief when it i think when i saw it mayor i think it was still called tracks when i went to that reading oh my god right was i change my names all the time yeah it was. or it, it, was or it just tracks, changed it or it just changed I think it had just changed. It was, um, they booked it or whatever as tracks. And then yeah. I was like, name change. I'm a difficult writer and I do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I remember, I remember thinking, I was like, is it about Charlie Brown? No. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was like, no, cause I knew the original title, but I, I went to see that when I, um, was working on, um, I was not directing it, but I wrote a play called two guys at a bar and that was at gallery Z in 2019. And I went to good grief and I, I just laughed and I never thought I would get the chance to direct it. And I, I, I asked Mary, I was like, Hey, <laughs> like, can I, can I do this? And, um, I, we did it. And it, I like gallery Z is such an interesting for those people who have never been there. It is an art gallery. It's like an art gallery cafe co-op space. It's intimate. Yeah. It's so intimate. You're right there. Like you're on the same level and the stage, like the little stage that they have is like six inches higher than the like the rest of the room. So like you're in the action. And I remember specifically when I was thinking about staging it, I was like, no question, we're doing like a like a circle like they would have in that group. But the circle is in the middle of the room. So like you also feel like you're in that group. And you do. You feel that's the thing that was so beautiful is like yeah. And I think that's something like I wrote it, right? I know what happens, but I felt like I was <laughs> part of this. And, and you could see the people because it's a circle, just elaborate on that as an audience member. Yeah. Like, you can see the people who are audience members on the other side of this circle too. So you're just like forced to look at everybody mm-hmm. in their yep. emotional state. And yep. it, it was as an audience member and the actors. And it's like overpowering, like on so many levels. Wow. Yeah. And it, it just encapsulated that grief because it's like the cast is in the scene, obviously, but like you feel that audience energy like tenfold just by being in that space. And especially with one of those kinds of shows, because like grief is hard and like grief is hard to talk about. Grief is hard to act. And like because it, it needs to come from this real place. And I wouldn't have directed a show like this. Not that you need to have an experience to direct every show. Cause like, I'm not, I didn't murder someone. I directed a murder mystery, you know, like that, but like, just have, I had an understanding of what that is, what goes into it, I guess. But like, I experienced my own grief and I was like, I know how to pour myself into this in a way that it will just permeate into this group and then into the audience. And like, I'm still not doing it. Like I'm, I'm constructing the scene. Like it's, it's all the actors that are doing the, the, the real work. But like this, that space is so intimate and so beautiful. And like, you don't need that much space. Like I've always been a minimalist with my staging and me and Mary are the same and way. And that's why I love, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's why I love Leo. Cause like you don't, and I do, I just want, I mean, shout out to the people who do work on sets. And I, mean, I love yeah. that work and I think it's beautiful, but being people who are like producing our own work or like funding it and stuff, sometimes like, you know, you can't have that. And yeah. we're not, you know, we're not artists. So like, no. Um, so like, I think the space doesn't, ha- you don't have to have it all. And like Leo knows, like, thank God Leo can translate what I write onto the stage because like some of my stage directions are my, you, know, you should talk about that one thing, Leo, because he's asking me what it was like the stage. The thing oh, I God, wrote yeah. 
for you know exactly what you can talk about it but leo's a genius at applying his concepts to things and at taking what i do and putting them on the stage and that's why i was saying like i never direct my work first i want to see people do like i'm fortunate like i i would like to direct some of these plays now that i've seen them done by a few other people and done by leo because they've brought them to life like my brain isn't creative on that level until i've seen things they like leo is is just like a genius at stuff like that Thank you. <laughs> and, and like, well, it's I easier when you didn't when you don't write it because you can't see like certain things. Like Mary rewrote exactly. this one scene, and um, we put it was a scene. So it's supposed to be like there is spoiler, but um, there is a scene where one of the characters is uh, overdosing, and she is in this like dream state, and she's racked, like racked with all this grief, and she sees um, the character Matt who um, was also played by someone named Matt, which was just crazy. And she sees him and they have like this dance that they didn't get to have at prom. And then it goes into third eyed blinds jumper. <laughs> and it's like every, every person, every person from the grief group comes in and like sings a line from it. And I remember that's like applicable to them. Yeah. Ugh. And the both of them. Um, and I remembered the whole cast was like, how are we going to do that? And I was like, don't worry, I'll figure it out. And we luckily have these like colored lights. Like it was just, so it was like these dream sequence. Like you have like the red and blue flashing lights. We came out and like, we reenacted like him, the character of Matt, like dying, getting brought back to life. Like it, it just represented everyone's struggle at that moment. And I think if sometimes like I do shows at Gallery Z and I'm like, I don't know if I could do that somewhere else. And Good Grief did go on to, to make sense in other spaces. But sometimes I'm like, it will never be that encapsulated moment. And I think that specifically that number just works so well because so beautiful. I don't like, know what that space plot. does. It's like yeah, the art on the walls, the lights, like the, the way it's staged. Cause like, I kind of try and think of a show, like if it was like blocks, I know that sounds weird. And like, um, uh, things that are like cut in half. Like I, we had the train tracks, but they were just like a piece of the tracks. So like, it's just enough to be like, oh, they're in another scene, but you walk past this pole and now you're in the living room. But like, there's also a scene happening over here. So it's like, I do expect the audience to like, I, I've learned over the years, don't expect so much of the audience because <laughs> I love them. They pay the bills, but you need to be simple enough. No shade to that. No shade to that part of the audience, but no, like, you need no, to be simple like, enough to understand. <laughs> and like, I feel like if you do these like little things like that, it makes it m make sense. And a space like gallery Z, like just fills in the blanks. Like if you have enough of the, like the blocks or like whatever, or like the train tracks cut in half, it fills it in enough. And you're like, Oh, okay. We're in like three different places. And it's almost like when you stare at something for too long, it the whole room just blends into what you think it looks like what you think it should be literally there. does there though like i can just attest to that and i think what's crazy about that is where i write this play there's train tracks there's all this other crap that you're like okay and in my head i'm like well it's someone else's problem who has to stage it yeah. right and so it was leo's problem and like you were saying like you know the lighting the everything like it like i don't even know it blew me away to be like wow all right so like this is possible to stage he's done it and he's done it in such a way like he's saying like the way he played out the spaces was so seamless and we were all so bought in like you could hear like a pin drop between yeah. things because people are like oh my god like and the spacing just makes sense like it's, it's really cool like i i could have never pictured that spacing that way so like leo has like made me a better director 
in ways now when I'm trying to think about approaching work because, and I think that's what's great is like learning from other people and seeing what they do with things. Like I can hundred percent say like that experience, like motivated me to be like, okay, like, wow, I have some thoughts on how, not even just for the group, but in general, like on how to use different mm. spaces because I don't love the traditional stage setup always. So like seeing something in a gallery, like I went on to like now book galleries for things where I was like, yeah, obviously I would like that you can do things that you would never think. And I think it's a different experience for the audience. And I think yeah. it brings in the non-traditional theater folks sometimes. And I like that. Yeah. Wow. I really like that. Thank you for saying that too. Cause I mean, working with Mary too, like working with, Working with you makes me a better writer because I only like writing dialogue and I'll write dialogue sometimes. I'm like, well, how would Mary say it? And Ugh, look, stop. <laughs> that... He didn't bring us on here to like be like, you're so great. No, you're so great. <laughs> People are saying like they hate each other. <laughs> I, I'm just convinced that that Leo agreed to do this just so he could cover his tracks for the whole murder thing. Oh, my God. He was, that that, he was very adamant that he's never yeah, killed somebody. I, I've never killed anyone. <laughs> Yeah, and he keeps talking about it, and he'll probably bring it up again. Like that's where I also am. Like, okay, Leo. <laughs> sure. So, do you think? Uh, do you think? Because you initially did good grief in the round. Do you yeah. think it could work on a typical proscenium stage with it's like, better a full in a round? Set? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's Mary did it in uh, Worcester at J Mac. Yeah, and I mean, and it, it still works. Different vibe. Yeah, it still works. It does work, and I do. So I don't want to like knock it in that way but i was just saying to mike because i am interested in doing it again and like um and you know incorporating some stuff back in and everything like that i think i think it can succeed both ways but and and i thought audiences reached in both ways but mm. i think i'd like to do it in the round again because yeah i think people are part of it that yeah. way right and, and i think part of it is being uncomfortable and you are uncomfortable especially when you have to watch other audience members you don't know feel it and i love to make people uncomfortable not even in a bad way but in the way of like Life's uncomfortable, right? Like we're all yeah. going through that kind of stuff all the time that we don't want to feel. And I think theater should be a reflection of that. And I think, you know, part of why people are coming is to feel and then to connect with themselves. One of the most beautiful things about the grief is like, and I'm sure Leo can attest this too, like, and Leo was, a, you know, one of these people who came up to me to talk to me after about certain things and his dad and everything is that like, it opens the door. Like I can't tell you how many people have like made me more human by like expressing like what it meant to them or like they had just lost so-and-so or they have a son who overdosed and all these different things and like i don't know like that's the part that like is so rewarding is not even the right word it's just so human mm. and i think the round captures that best i think both ways yeah. work but i think the round is best and i, I would have never thought to do it in the round. that's why i'm like <laughs> leo's a genius yeah, it's just, it's, I'm just not saying yeah to the genius. I'm, I'm just, I'm agreeing to the round. I, I <laughs> but I do think it, like a play like that needs to be in the round. You need to experience it. Now, however, a play like on our terms could oh. be either. We've seen it both ways, but yeah. I also loved it in the round. Like, and, and, and because like, then we were part of the memories. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What is on your so. terms? What makes that one different from Good Grief? <clears throat> Oh, oh God, well, it's so just different. a comedy. <laughs> it's okay. a raunchy comedy. You're supposed to I laugh like at this writing. one. <laughs> you have to laugh. Yeah, and you're yeah. not inappropriate. Um, on our terms is another one Leo came to see, and I again happened to be behind Leo. <laughs> Both <laughs> times. <laughs> my favorite, no. Wait, can I, my oh, favorite memory is, because I, I wrote this in my, like, director's note. And my by director's note, I mean just, like, the monologue. Sometimes I'm like, am I just yeah. directing to write a page on the on the playbill? No, <laughs> it's part of it. But I sat in front of in front of her with my good friend, and we were talking, and I just hear, Lee, like, and I was like, who? I was like, 
I, and I thought it was Mary behind me, but I like had to act not. I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> and I was like, this is great. And in my head, I was like, don't mess up. You have to laugh because the playwright is right behind you. And I was like, don't mess this up because we hadn't worked each- with each other at that point. So I was like, don't mess this not up. Not yet. But didn't I stupidly, I'm pretty sure I tapped you or on the intermission. I was like, hey, it's you, right? Like, I did something so weird. No, it was like in the that. beginning. You were like, Leo. Okay. And you're like, oh, okay, that is yeah. you. I turned right around. I'm so uncomfortable. Like, and I was like, well, and Mike is so embarrassed by me. I was like, if it's not him, then he'll be like, no, it's not me. Like, I remember you were like, I'm so awkward. Sorry. I was like, I'm also awkward. It's fine. That's why we're okay together. So it was him. And then he did feel the pressure to enjoy the show, but he enjoyed it so much that he called me while I was at a bachelor party that weekend. I was like, I'm going to produce the show in the, in the, you know, next year or whatever it was. Yeah. And I was like crying because I was kind of half drunk because I was at a winery. So I was like in a bathroom taking this call. Like, okay, wow. Like, Like, he hit me at a a time where the feels were like the feels. So on our terms, it's not the feels, it's a comedy. There's some deeper stuff in it. And again, so where Noah and I workshop that was just for point. Of, so Honor Terms is a, a it's two people who take on this service called uh, Marry Me Darling. It's a dating service they pay for, and they're in a conference room and they have. Um, I won't give away some of the other characters that are. You know, we'll save that. But they um, essentially are negotiating a contract for quote unquote the perfect relationship, right? And throughout it, they have to they have different agenda items that prompt them to share memories. So there's an ensemble that plays the cast of these memories of them with other people, like past dating experiences. And it goes chronological order, kind of from like you know you start out with like one of them's like a teen scene at camp. <laughs> like well, both of them are at camp, and they're very both funny. of them, yeah. Um, and what's neat about this play is Noah and I workshopped it. And when I brought when when the Forge Theater Lab agreed to do this show it didn't have a through line. So like the dating contract wasn't part of it. It was called relationship at that time. <laughs> oh my God. And, yeah. Cause it was like a scatter shot of yeah. like relationships, like from like in chronological order, like they're all standalone pieces, different people, you know, whatever. Um, and it goes from like, you know, when you're really happy about it. So like when you're divorced, so not that I think oh, yeah, now that sounds like a cynic, I'm not, but I kind of am, but it's fine. <laughs> um, and we were workshopping it and then I was like something has happened so for a point of reference I was working for our town at that time as the recording clerk for the town council so I was in on all these like contract negotiations and like other things and one night where they told me they just clicked I was like these people are in a conference room negotiating something like there needs to be a through line and so we got that and it was really neat and um it's grown over the years so like that was first done in what like 2018 or something like that 2017 yeah. I don't know no, I think it was and 2019. Noah it. Oh my God, yeah. Maybe yeah, it was before the pandemic. So yeah, it yeah. probably was 2019. Something like that. And Noah had workshopped it with me. Again, shout out to him. And then he directed it. And it was fine then. But then when Leo went to do it too, like, you know, like, things change. Like the climate changes. So it was a really good opportunity to do some rewrites. And we were able to have so many of these conversations um, that I think made the play even better. And mm. like, it was fine then. Like we thought it was funny, but I think we, I think part of, for me being a playwright is like, well, I'd love to be like, this is the final draft of Leona. It never is with me. Um, yeah. <laughs> and except I think, I think good grief, the original version with a couple of tweaks is the final draft. I just yeah. want to put that out there. But at either rate, uh, on our terms is good where it is now. I think I, there's nothing really, there's like one weird concept I'm interested in, but like, that's it. And I think what's cool about it is you see yourself in it. So like, it's, it's a lot of just different relationship things people go through, right? Like sometimes you're with someone and you know, it's not working for X, Y, Z. Sometimes someone wants more out of you. Sometimes you hate the person, but you just happen to be with them still until you have the big blowout. Like 
I don't know. And so it's fascinating. And then you have to find out, like, do these people sign the contract or not? Like, what's the tipping point for yeah. them? And I think there's the pressure, too, because they're paying for this service um, to do it for them. So that's kind of what it's about. And Leo just took it and ran with it. And, like, it's like going to see it, This I tw- I've seen it twice now. So I actually am in the process of, like, I think I could put my hands on it because I've seen it done by two of my best friends who are amazing. Um, and it's fun. It's a small cast show. It's, like, a really good time. And it's, it's just, I think it's kind of timeless, but I'm actually working on it. I call it, it's like sophisticated older cousin, the translator, which is like the deeper relationship stuff. Like the, you're already in it kind of stuff. Like where these people are just like broaching it, talking about failed stuff. Mm. It's like its own thing. I'll let Leo give his spin on monitors because Leo, I don't even know what he did, but he <laughs> shook it up. Like, yeah. He, Oh my gosh! Like he, what I love about it is like, well, it's uh, I, I should we we haven't even said what like honor Dreams is absurd. It's an absurdist comedy. That's yeah. how we should describe it. And you're in like and so, you go through like Mary said, you're in this like conference room, and it's this uh, it's Jane and John. So already it's kind of like a blank slate, and mm-hmm. you get to know them through these um, memories. So like how I stage it was the table and the conference room is like on stage. And then the big play space is all these, like, the memories that they're reliving. So it's like, oh, uh, item number one. And the whole time there's this overhead voice, like, God. And I have God, to give it. I'm going to tell them about the voice, damn it. But oh, now you have. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can talk about it because the voice is kind of amazing. Yeah. She's the AI of the whole thing. And, like, two of my really good friends played the voice in both in both instances. But I have and to give it. they were both so good. Yeah. And like shout out to one of my really good friends, um, Joy, who just she was the, the most current voice. And just she's always had this like very like um, secretary who knows exactly what she's asking you to do and knows that you can do it. But is I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that sentence. But like just that like that like high end secretarial voice with like a little tinge of like hmm, like like passive aggressiveness. And I was like, perfect. Especially when she is given some character like that. That's just like, I love when she plays characters like that. And she loved it too, because she was like, awesome. I don't got to be on stage. I can just sit there and record my lines. Awesome. You like, you can do, and like, she trusted me to do that. And I love that I have this trust with these people. Cause like, same thing like Mary, she was like, I don't know what you were going to do, but I'll trust you. And I made joy. I like added some new things that weren't even in the script. Like sometimes she sounds robotic. So it's like, is the voice real or is like, it's is so she like fun, sentient? I was like, not sure. I wrote it and I was like, man, I don't know what the voice is anymore. And I love that because the audience has to like think it for themselves. And like, yeah. they thinking different things. Cause it's supposed to be, you would think it's like an automated thing. Cause she's like item number one mm-hmm. or agenda item number one. And you go through this contract. So like the voice is instrumental in like, seeing these memories so it's like uh think about um i directed the show i'm like what was the first agenda item um it was like think know, about a past it was like pleasantries or, yeah. oh yeah then it was that yeah like a uh, childhood experience or something and then you go through like J- uh, john's experience at summer camp and then jane's experience at summer camp and the voice propels you through this but we added like some things where it's like is the voice real is it, like joy just in the booth somewhere just like <laughs> laughing her ass off and like these guys are never gonna get together and like that was my kind of take on it and because joy would do that like she would just be like okay and then like just kind of like set the animals free and just watch and that's what i kind of wanted from that and i feel like that is kind of what dating is like sometimes um and i think that with the voice too leo like she started to like 
so like where you're saying too, like is she a robot? Is she whatever? We don't know. Yeah. Because at the end, right? She's like, well, throughout it, she's turning on one party. Yeah. And then at the end, it's almost like she's like instigating things and the yeah. rules and the other things. So like you played it, so, Joy. Well, Joy, Joy played it so well. Yeah, and that's what I always thought that voice was like. She was instigating things and like propelling yeah, like the. Party. Yeah. No. <laughs> Um, and the, again, the gallery just like lent itself to that space. Cause like the play space was exactly where like the, the grief group was. So like anything that's in that big area, you're on the same floor. So like you're in these memories, you're like, Oh my God, am I at summer camp? Like, am I eating a very oversized phallic looking slim gym? No, but I feel like I am. Um, and like some of the scenes, I just went, I've loved absurd comedies. So like we had, it, it's just. Everything was extreme. Like this, the slutty teenager was very slutty. Like there was just like emphasis on like just innuendos galore. And like it was, but there was also real scenes. Like there was a a real scene in the car and there was a real scene. um, There was another scene about grief in the elevator, but it was done so off the wall. Like there's a, can I, do you want me to say it? What it was? You say what you want to say, okay. my friend. <laughs> I already spoiled. Like, there's a voice. There, there's like, the yeah, there's like an assassin that assassinates John <laughs> in the elevator. And like, the whole thing was like an allegory for like him wanting to, um, he was like, it, the story was about his like recreation of like how he lost his wife, but he like took, decided to take himself out in this, in his retelling. And he just like, like took creative liberties with it in this story. He's kind of, and I think the other part about those stories are like, the other, I think the other interesting part, and you might hear my dog in the background, he's kind of like walking around. <laughs> um, the other interesting part is that there's always the real story, right? And then there's how people tell stories. And I think that on our terms is kind of that. And you see it throughout, like with this allegory of like, he really is wife side, not him. Yeah. And really, like, there's another scene like that, too, where she's like, well, that's just what I imagined happened. And it kind of, like, becomes more absurd throughout, oh, yeah. where you start to be like, what is the truth here? <laughs> and, like, also, like, and when I tell stories, what am I doing? Like, am I telling anything near what really happened? Or, like, have I taken these creative liberties? Yeah. Like, and my favorite scene was the one where Jane is like, oh, I think, she was like, I was in a coma, and this is what I remember. My favorite. And it's a soap my, opera. We have to credit Noah Dawson. Yes, because that is not, I can't take idea. credit for that. Because I watched and it, I and I it. laughed so hard. So I wrote it and yeah. it was fine. And Noah was like, hey, what if we do it as a soap opera? I was like, yeah, whatever. You're directing. If that's what you want. And I went to see it. And it was my, when I saw Noah's rendition of it, that was hands down my favorite scene of the whole thing. And I wrote it in after that as that to be like, it's, it's, this has to be this way moving forward. Yeah. And you both took different spins on it. But that scene still like reigns supreme on so many levels because it's so absurd. It was so absurd. And it was even more absurd because like the costuming in that in that scene was like we had oh, <laughs> we had the brilliant. guy with his the the chest popped open. Um I have to shout out my um my good friend uh Jacqueline Doyle from Jack Attack Clothing. We had this like I I don't even know what you would call it. It was like a flowy leg skirt. She's gonna be like, Wow, Leah, I do clothes and you don't even know what it's called. But like the costuming well, in the show was, was so hot. It was amazing. They, we we did a tango. So- and like everything, you just see red and black moving. Like it was just beautiful. And I, <laughs> I put one of the other, um, one of the other cast members, this was not written in the script. And I was like, I don't I even know. So <laughs> I don't even think I told Mary. I was like, yeah. Um, I was like, you're going to see someone coming in with the step stool. Maybe. I don't even think I told her because we use these like cubes and I use them in good grief and I've had them for years and I feel like a good theater place needs like like blocks like I was saying like I literally use blocks 
And um, some places just use it for rehearsal. I'm like, no, no, we're using these for the show. And I wanted to create levels. Yeah, I wanted to create levels sometimes. I was like, how are we going to get these these actors on the cubes? Because some of them are wearing like nine-inch heels, like these combat boot things. And I put in um, one of our actors. uh, He came in with a step stool and it was like an added layer of comedy. So it's like, you know, they're constructing the scene. So it's like, you know, as an audience, like it's very, it was a very meta show. So like there, and I think even initially, I don't remember too. Like I'm drawing a blank because whatever. But like it's written that these scenes get drawn out, and like in yeah. the original, they were like literally drawn out at the beginning on like a um, like an easel with paper that got ripped off, yep. and like I, and then like the next time, like so like they get like spelled out before they're like you know happening in some ways. And I don't remember what you did for that, Leo, or if we just scratched it and it worked so Oh, I, well. I remember I texted you. I was like, I'm not doing the drawings. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was glad because I hated the crumpling of the paper. No disrespect to the OG production, but like it yeah. took up so much time that I was like, never again. And I don't know if I scratched it too, or if you just scratched it. And then later I was like, yeah, cut. Like from the script. I think you still- cool concept, But it was like a time suck. Yeah, I think you still put it in there and you're like, you could use it, whatever. Well, and I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm not using it. And I also, I remember telling you, um, I was like, even if it wasn't a soap opera, I was doing it as a soap opera, that scene. Yeah, it was perfect. And like, we I need rambled. A, We've done it again. <laughs> I know. And I need to credit Noah because I wouldn't have thought of the, using the cubes because there were, like they drew the scenes on like, um, there were like these slats of wood behind them and they had uh, massive... Uh, white paper and they would have like um, like Harold on the purple crayon size like markers and they would draw like a tree yeah. and then like the cubes would be like headlights to the car and I was like wow that's so cool <laughs> and I thought of using the cubes but I was like well we're in an art gallery so I'm not drawing anything on the cubes like it's your imagination uh, and I just and like perfect like I, I didn't even realize I just had to ask you if you did or didn't do it because it was so good I know I, I didn't do it. any drawing because <laughs> oh. I don't even think we painted Hilarious. the cubes no they were just white no, I think they were white, and it was. Yeah. I was bought in, so. That's awesome. We, we've talked a lot about um, the writing that Mary's done, but you yeah. talked about some writings that you had had. Is your writing... Oh, uh, God. <laughs> is your writing process different than, than what Mary has explained? I mean, pro- yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Like, absolutely. Yeah, because I, uh, I'm jealous of Mary, because, like, I wish... Um, well, I do the really irresponsible thing of thinking I can write, direct, and produce my own work, which, like, I can't. <laughs> and uh, Mary just gets to write it and send it to me, and I'm like, thank you. And, like, I think I'm at the level where, like, I want to do the same thing. Like, if Mary wants to start directing, I'm like, here, here's a piece, by. Yes. Like, I, because I don't want, I, I want that same level of trust in someone. But I have, the first thing I did, um, actually, not the first thing, but the first play, full-length play I did I did not direct, but I was a part of the whole thing. So like I got to do, I got to be Mary um, with one of my best friends ever, um, Josh. And he directed the show and it was small cast. It was like four people and it was called two guys at a bar. And it was at gallery Z and um, that was my good grief. So like I, um, a couple years ago, it's going to be five years this January. um, My father passed away. And I had written this play like years ago and like, I'm not the best writer, but I like writing dialogue, which is why I always have gravitated towards theater. And like, I'll, I'll piss through a play reading it rather than a book, like in one sitting. I read a whole play the other day 
and I'm, I bought three books and I've only read 70 pages of it and I haven't read it since last week. So like there's even, even that in my brain, I can only process like plays, I guess now. Um, sometimes I forget how to read, but, um, I'm the same way. I just want to plug that. I can only yeah. read plays <laughs> and not real books. I hate it, but I, so my writing process, I, I think is similar, but a little bit different. And I had, um, I had years to write this play and it was a short play Everyone loved it. And I was like, I don't really like it. And I had written it before my father passed away and it had nothing to do about death. Uh, that's a lie. There was like one thing about death, but it didn't make sense to me at that moment. And I was like, I want to rewrite this. And I have never been able to do this again, but I rewrote it in two weeks because I was like, well, I have like two weeks to do this before auditions. And I was like, let's do it. And for it worked. And people loved it. And we did it in the round. That was the first, and that was the first show that we stopped doing dinner theater with. So like, it was the first show, like you didn't hear anything. You didn't hear the clanking of silverware, which was fine. But like, there was no distractions. Like you were just in the action. There was this humongous bar on stage. And um, I know the title is misleading because there were other characters. It wasn't just two guys (laughs) at a bar, but the focal point is the two guys at a bar. And I got to put in, um, cause I think me and Mary are similar in the way where we put in, even if it's not our own stuff we're experiencing, we put in experiences that have happened to us, people that we love. And this was just kind of my, uh, I don't know if magnum opus is the right term, but like to my father, like I never did a service for him. Like that was the service, like the, the eulogy that's said in that, in that, uh, show is about one of the characters dad. So like I completely changed the whole thing of the show it, it starts off like really fun these two guys meet each other and it's a comment on sexuality because one of them is like yeah I was gonna get married and then my fiance found out I was having sex with her half-brother in the coachette closet at the bachelor party because we like he didn't come out to himself first and like it was that those characters writing those characters was very interesting to me because um the relationships were so strong because like a week goes by they, these two guys meet like one broke up with his girlfriend. The other one just ended a, a whole relationship with this person that he does love, but not in that way and feels awful. And then the next week and it, it originally, I wrote it for a scene for a directing class at Middlesex that, that uh, my friend was in who did direct the show. And I was like, Oh, let's meet next week. That's the end of the scene. It was Christmas Eve. So like the next scene, I was like, well, next year would be New Year's Eve. And I was like, why would you meet someone on New Year's Eve just to like have a drink? Like it like it's like super low key. And so the characters like, yeah, I didn't realize it was New Year's Eve. And then the he patches things up with his fiance and then she comes. So it's like that relationship was so strong that all he needed to say was like, sorry, like and like really talk to her. And then she's like, yeah, of course I'll be there. And then she hits it off with that guy. And like now they're in this like triangle situation. And then what I wasn't expecting was when I, uh, I do try and put like a lot of gay things in my writing. Cause it's, it's not me trying to be like gay exists, but also yes, it's just, it's there. And like, I don't know why people are focusing on it. It's just a part of the, the journey. Yeah. 100%. Um, I just wanted to also ask the two of you, if you have anything that is coming up in the, the near future, any plugs that you wanted to make about, uh, anything you may be working on or if people wanted to collaborate with anything that you're doing, maybe with Bale of Fire or with your works, Mary, if there's any way they can get in touch with you in, or- in yeah. order to uh, become Let's parts of those up. things. <laughs> do you want to go mean, first? It sounds like the three of us need to do a grief triple header. But <laughs> I, I know. 
So let's talk on that. Um, do I want to go first? Hmm. I know Leo and I are both like scattered um, about all of the things we're doing. We are. I just but, pulled up uh, my calendar. Both- so I had this, the right dates in my head. So, yeah. Okay. So why don't you go then? Because I'm going to talk out my butt about this. So you go first. Yeah. So I have, I, and I, Mary knows this whole day I've been like, I don't know what. So I've been debating, like we talked about high beams, I think need some um, more time to workshop. And I, I rewrote it a little bit and I'm in that writer space where it's like, I don't even remember like what I, what the original draft is right now. And like, I need people to read it. That isn't me. And I, I just need someone else to take care of it for like a little bit. So I have decided, and I already know what the rest of our upcoming season is. But the spring was kind of like, I don't know. And so I've decided um, because the almost main almost main was like one of the first plays that we did at Gallery Z. No exit was the first one, but it was like, we got to do this right now. And almost main was the first one we rehearsed in the space. We like did the whole thing. I kind of and John Cariani's writing and we've done another show, Lovesick. And we did it during like right um, in the summer of the pandemic. And like, it was terrifying to do a show during the pandemic. Cause like we had like five audience members, we live streamed it and it was such a poignant show too. Cause I was like, I wasn't trying to do a show called love sick during the pandemic. Yeah. And we were supposed to do another show and that didn't pan out. And I was like, well just do a John Cariani show. I always love him. So, um, I kind of think of, and he always like brings me back to life whenever I'm like in a weird struggling writer director space. So I finally decided that, um, we're going to do his only full length play that like is not vignettes and it's called last gas. And it's about this gas station, like way up in Maine, like right before the Canadian border. And it has all the similar feelings that I wanted from high beams for an audience to understand, like the grief, the feeling stuck because the car never really moves anywhere. And it's just like, a, a, it's a gas station and it's, it's people who are stuck. It's that it has grief. It has a character who's um, she's she's just in town for the day because her it's her mom's funeral. So like you get to hear like what she did with her life. Did she do anything with her life? And it's like really poignant and it makes people think. So that is officially going to be um, Balefire's spring show. So our first show of the season. And we're hosting auditions for that. Let me pull my calendar up again so I don't get this wrong because um, I'm so organized. Um, January 16th and 17th at Gallery Z. So we're having auditions for that. And then in the summer, we're doing a show called um, The Boys in the Band, which was just on Netflix. And I made this horrible joke every time we did on our terms, which I was like, we're doing this show and maybe Netflix will pick us up. They won't. But like everyone laughed. And I was like, thank you for coming to my like weird comedy special every time I do a curtain speech. And then they for, are weird comedy <laughs> every time. I have never know what's going to come out. And I it's horrendous. It's not horrendous, but like I feel like it's horrendous. Um, so Last Gas is our spring show. The Boys in the Band are summer show. And then for the fall, we are doing mm. um, a play, another play by Mary Darling called Period. And so that's that's Balefire's whole season. But so we have auditions for Last Gas coming up um, January 16th and 17th. Yes. Mary's writing two plays right now that are both committed, which is great, right? Yeah. Like they both have dates. That's amazing. Um, and thank God for my husband who like oversees me sometimes. It's like, Hey, are you working? And I have to be like, <laughs> get out of here, but tell me to work. Yeah. Uh, so yes, we're doing that. And that's going to be really exciting. We hope period is a 
all women show um, mostly, and it just touches on a bunch of different themes. Um, and it's cool. Another workshoppy thing, right? Like it had a really early bones. I had done a reading of it years ago in Cape May, and Leo and I, Leo asked if I had a show like that. I was like, I mean, I have this. It's kind of old. And now I'm here putting a through line through it like I mm. did with On Our Terms because it's been <laughs> that was yeah. like, let's tie these together and let's make it a little more current because it's old. So I'm doing that. So Leo's doing that and that's amazing. We're going to workshop Leo's play. That's obviously on our agenda. So I'm yeah. going to reiterate that. Because I'm, yeah, I'm at that point then, where it's like, I need to do that. <laughs> he needs it and we're doing it. And then I am I am putting my hands on, on Our Terms uh, in Southbridge uh, the first weekend in April. So I do have auditions coming up on January 6th. I know. We haven't even talked about this video. I know. Rude. I didn't even I know. know. <laughs> I know. It's, it, because it's been a million moving pieces. I know. Um, and so I've been waiting on like the final words. But I'm excited because obviously I'll be talking to you about it because whatever. I need to pick your brain as well. Yeah. But um, I'm excited because I haven't really done work in my town yet. So I've gotten stuff done in Worcester, Fitchburg. And I'm from Worcester, but I don't live there anymore. Lowell, like Cape May. But I live in Southbridge. So it's kind of exciting that they're like, yeah, okay. Um, so I'm actually doing it at a bar space that's also kind of like an unconventional, neat little space. Um, and then I'm going, I so over the weekend, I previewed scenes from a new play I have called The Translator, which is the one I was like, it's kind of like on our terms, is more sophisticated something. Yeah. Um, and the response was really great from audiences. It's kind of the idea of someone translating for you in a relationship, like when you can't get the tough stuff out. Um, so it was really well received. I'm trying to do a full production of that, and I have gotten space for it as my first season of self-producing but i don't think i want to direct it so i'm gonna you know, move those pieces <laughs> but that's gonna be in late summer and then i will be taking my hands on good grief I, that was a weird way to put it putting my hands on i don't know whatever it's fine I'm gonna be your hands are on it somewhere again. yeah i'm gonna be putting my hands back on there um <laughs> drawing back to the original inspiration to do it in the round at a cool singing drum roll please gallery space in putnam oh um yes and you'll be coming um but that's beside the point uh, oh no I'm and definitely coming. i'm gonna do it again because i think it is one of those pieces that like i kind of just think has to get in front of more people because especially around the holidays it's it's a tough time and i think i want to open that door for people to like have those dialogues and you know those discussions like and and feel something like they're not alone during those times. So that's what's on deck for me in the coming, whatever, 2023, whatever year we're on. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I just wanted to thank you both for talking to me today. We talked a lot. Sorry. We did talking talk a lot. You we did or, talk a lot. Oh my, um, <laughs> this... Maybe never do two, hosts, two guests again um, <laughs> if, unless you want them to like vomit all over you with what they're doing. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you all so much for listening to Martian Radio at the theater. My name's Ryan Perry, and have a great day. Thank you. Hey, gang, this is Wednesday, and you've been listening to a Martian Radio program. Martian Radio Theater is a queer art collective based in Lowell, Massachusetts focused on creating space for queer voices and experimenting with different media. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Facebook, and Instagram. Wherever we are, you can almost always find us using the tag at Martian Radio Theater. Check out our website, martianradiotheater.space, for cool upcoming local events and to sign up for our newsletter. And we hope you support us by sharing our work, talking kindly of us to folk, or becoming a patron at patreon.com slash martianradiotheater. To repeat that, our social media is at Martian Radio Theater. 
Our website is www.martianradiotheater.space and our Patreon is patreon.com slash martianradiotheater. Hope we get to spend time together again soon. But till then, happy trails, partner. Take care.